welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. I just had a panic then. I didn't know who I was, where I was and what we were talking about. Well, that <laughs> might that might be because I think this week's podcast should be going down called Going Down Rabbit Holes because I've gone down a million rabbit holes with you? all the things that we've talked about today. Yeah. Didn't feel like it was like it, it was any one thing. I was just like, oh, what about this and what about that? Oh, you had one of those weeks, did you? I had one you? of those weeks, yes. Yeah. So my, my week was was mainly with the research on this. I was doing it on my phone. And and so I, I had a disappointment with a few things because, um, well, well, we'll get on to it, but the phone wasn't probably the best device to use for some of the research we were doing. Anyway, first topic. Well, we thought we would have a discussion about a topic that's been all over the place, a phrase that, I don't know, got coined last year. Um, by Professor Anthony Klotz and the phrase is the great resignation and yeah that yeah it's all over the place isn't it well it is so much so that we decided to do this topic a couple of weeks ago and this week I got invited to a webinar uh, hosted by the Chartered Management Institute for next week um, so the 23rd of May, um, on the Great Resignation. It's like, oh, great timing. We're trend-setting, it's as simple as that. <laughs> we, you know, we're picking it up and we're running with but it. But the thing I noticed, so I'd heard the phrase before and I was trying to explain to a colleague that what we were experiencing in the workplace was part of this big global trend. And I just did a quick Google search and found that the Great Resignation has its own Wikipedia page. It's so big, it's got a Wikipedia page. There's some famous actors that I look up when I'm watching Netflix or uh, or Disney or something. I go, oh, I'll look them up. And they haven't got Wikipedia pages. So this week's topic, the Great Resignation, has got one heck of a Wikipedia page. Oh, crikey, it goes on for miles. Yeah, and it really explains um, the the scope of the issue in that if you look at it here, um, Australia, China, Europe, India, United States, pretty much all around the world has been impacted by this thing called the Great Resignation or apparently in some places known as the Big Quit and the Great Reshuffle. But I like the Great Resignation myself. Yeah, I quite like the... I think the reshuffle bit is a little bit onerous because that suggests that it has an element of control to it yeah. <laughs> it doesn't and it and it uh, Klotz came up with the idea that he'd, he'd identified four trends that have occurred as a result of the pandemic so first of all there were an existing backlog of resignations because if you remember when people were being furloughed for example people were being rehired by their previous employer so that they could be part of the furlough scheme. So there yeah. were a load of people who were just sitting tight because where were you going to go? Because um, of the uncertainty. There was burnout. Yeah. A lot of people have just, they're just completely knackered. A re-evaluation of priorities and values. I think we all have encountered a bit of that, um, no matter how commercially minded we are. Um, and, and the biggie is the reluctance of some people to give up remote work because we've had this massive shift from you can't work from home to now you can work from home to now you need to be back in the office to now I don't want to do that anymore. And so all those things joined together has had massive impact yeah. in the numbers of resignations. Um, other things are, um, you know, sort of the cost of living crisis and, and the issues with, you know, sort of 
pay increases, not keeping up with the cost of living yeah. crisis, yeah. Um, and, and general job dissatisfaction that's all mixed in with that. Um, and I think in the UK as well, we've got the, the Brexit impact. We yeah. spent so many years not talking about the B word, didn't we? And, and the impact that it's having on us now it's hard to not mention it as being a cause of various things yeah. that are going on, but it's certainly impacted on the labour market in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a way, it's, it's um, when, when you're in a company and you're suffering from a situation like this, in a way, it's quite reassuring to know that you're not the only one. But then where you start to panic is it's not you're not the only company in that area you're not the only company in the UK or the only company in Europe and then you go oh my god it's the whole, the whole world. world and then the scope of it that the actual size of the whole issue is massive what's it going to take to settle it down or, or to, to come to some sort of equilibrium with it equilibrium well absolutely because because of the economy and the economic downturn that is, is existing everywhere, people can't just chuck money at it. They can't afford to just chuck money at it because so many of their costs have gone up yeah. in terms of fuel, etc. But So um, this article, uh, I saw there's a few versions of it or it's been posted in various places, but there was one in the Irish Times. So they quote some stats. So again, this is what Klotz was saying, that in... Um, in November 2021, a record 4.5 million American workers left their jobs. In the preceding five months, 24 million Americans did so. It was more than a it was a tsunami rather than a wave. So, this you know that's as a direct result of of of, of COVID. And then in Ireland, they're quote they're quoting some stats where they say that more than four in ten Irish workers in a survey that was done by a company called Work Human, which was published in September last year, said they plan to quit their jobs in the next year. So that's four in ten, so that's 40%. In 2019, it was just 21%. A massive hike, a massive hike. And it's all to do with, it's a job seeker's market now. You, you, you can say, well, if you want me, you're going to have to pay for me. And... Here are some of the, you know, can I work a four-day week? Or can I work this many days from home? It's, it's Yeah, and I think it's challenging for companies. It's a wake-up call for companies to really um, re-evaluate perhaps what's been taken for granted previously. Yeah. But at the same time, it is very challenging for businesses to keep up with those demands as well. Like you say, the cost base has just gone up massively. Um yeah, I'm not saying that um, you shouldn't listen to your employees' no, no. requests, but there are multiple pressures on companies and they've got to get that balance just right. Well, because it's about the sustainability of the organisation. You know, you can't just chuck money at it and then the business not weather yeah. the storm. But sometimes it's not about pay, is it? And I think that, yeah. you know, the um, articles I've read is, is about the, the younger labour market. They are valuing the flexible work in the, and the... Um, better work-life balance so maybe it takes creative thinking about job design yeah. and we've been talking about the future of work for years now haven't we yeah. and, and just saying that actually they need to have a sense of purpose you know if if you haven't designed if you've designed your job so that you're just doing a little bit you don't really see where where the value is in what you're doing and you haven't got work-life balance then there is a lot of scope for businesses to redesign that process 
make, make it feel as if you're doing something valuable and worthwhile. Yeah, and I think so. I think there's all of that. There's also this whole thing that you know people have been um, spent more time with their kids, appreciated you know all with time with their family, and for those you know some of those people decided they didn't want to spend time with their family anymore and have got divorced. But um, but you know some people they they appreciate the little things like dropping your kids off at school and picking your kids up from school. They you know because they were able to do it for yeah. a period of time. So it's um, it. It's it's multifaceted. Yeah, I think it is going to take... Uh, I mean, the, the jury's out as to whether it's a long-term or a short-term effect. I think there's a bit of a paradigm shift coming where we re- really do have to think rethink the nature of the workplace. So I think companies could throw money at it. They could just say, we're going to pay the most money. But I don't think it would resolve some of the other no. key issues there about no. flexibility and about job design, about sense of purpose. I think those things have to come alongside it. You know, It might be that somebody values that flexibility more than they value the pay. So even if you throw money at it, it won't resolve your problem necessarily. No, and I think also it's about... The age of people. So, we, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the younger people that are coming through um, through into the workplace now, their expectations are set very differently. But we, we've always known that as you get older, your priorities change. But I think it's that younger people have had that sort of change of mindset much younger. So it, it needs to become the norm because yeah. that's what they're demanding. It's not just people who are over 50 who want work-life balance or whatever because they can afford it yeah um, I just wanted to share a couple of different words so you know I said at the beginning that um, some had called it the big quit and some the great reshuffle so Australia is where the phrase um, the great reshuffle came from okay um, and the, that was the Australian treasurer um, referred to the great reshuffle there's a phrase in China um, and it, it's referred to in this article I read about it being a social protest movement mm-hmm. and it's called Tang Ping, which means lying flat. Um, and it's basically a, a rejection of um, the working system in China. And instead of um, instead of um, giving into the pressures of work, what they're doing is this lying down flat to get over the beatings so I'm just okay. lying down. Okay. Tang ping. So interesting. So oh, <laughs> that, that's a direct translation, but uh, but I think we get the gist of it because it's actually about people um, not being prepared to be. In fact, there's uh, talking about the rabbit hole thing. So I came across an article then that's got psychological safety in the workplace, you know, and that ability to speak up, um, that you're not, it's okay to challenge, etc. And that's all about not being fearful. So in that Tang Ping thing, that sounds like, you know, you're being suppressed or oppressed. Yeah. uh, Rather than, so the easy way is to not play the game. Yeah, just lie flat. Yeah, uh, Yeah, because what they want, what people seem to want, is an ability to I'll do my job of work, but I need I feel that I need to be able to speak up if I feel something's not right because my values and my priorities are different now. It's not just money in the bank. It's very complicated. I, I think there's some great benefits that can come um, to businesses that that can find a creative way out of this. I don't think it's going to be easy, 
being in HR myself, I'm like, yeah. oh my God. How's this going to play out? However, yeah. I do think you just really have to rethink what, you, what your offering is and ask people what they want. You can't necessarily give them all what they want because if you've got a workforce of 100, you've probably got 99 different things they want, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to find the common ground. But surely there's a win-win situation. You know, if you've got more engaged workforce and more committed workforce, and if you make these changes ahead of the other companies, you, you're surely going to get some commitment. There's no guarantee. I don't know. No, it's it. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a, there's retention and there's also attraction, isn't there? Yeah. And if somebody wants to leave your your working environment because of the the working rules within it and the uh, the the rotor system and all of those types of things, that's one thing. But you've then got to be able to attract people in. And what tweaks and changes do you need to make in order to do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's not straightforward. Great fun. Okay. So then we thought, as a review, we'd go and have a look at a website. How many rabbit holes did you go down reviewing this website? A, a, a couple, yeah, a couple. Okay. So but, I, but I missed... The first thing you mentioned, I was like, oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's, okay, so we're looking at the British Chambers of Commerce website, britishchambers.org.uk. Don't know how you missed this, because it's, it's on the front page. Red background, big white letters, Global Annual Conference 2022. People, planet, progress. It's quite an appealing title. Um, they've got um, bookings um, available now. Um, at this stage, it's um, they've still only got a provisional programme and the date is a month and a half away. Um, no, but I'm not sure I'd want to book a ticket without a confirmed programme at this stage. Um, but maybe people who've been before know what the quality is and they can rely on um, the, the quality of the speakers and just know that what they'll get is good. Um, it's Because it's not cheap. So if you're um, a member of Chamber, it's £200. You're a member of a Chamber of Commerce, I aren't am, you, Heather? Yeah, Chamber um, of Commerce. But if you're yeah. not a member, it's £335. So, um, And that's for a one-day event in London, so you've got a cost to get into London as well. So you've got to know that the quality is good. So I think it might be worth you, if you are a member, asking if people have been before. Um, and they're talking about developing talent now and for the future. That's the people bit. Mm, yeah. They're talking about boosting the green global economy. That's the planet bit. And then progress is about seizing new opportunities. Seems quite broad. But three very relevant topics, I think, for where we are at the moment. Certainly, I wonder if they're going to talk about the Great Resignation, Heather. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Section. Well, we, we did have a little bit of a sneak peek at, um, at the provisional schedule. And with, I don't, it doesn't really appeal to me. <laughs> when we start to look at, uh, it, it it feels and maybe it's maybe it says more about me than anything it feels very um uh political yeah so they've got cabinet ministers and they've got shadow cabinet ministers now the chamber it does have a lobbying it does on doesn't yes. it so yeah. it is you can understand that the thing that doesn't appeal to me so much and and that is no reflection on the, the chamber's event because i've never been to one 
but it's panel sessions mm-hmm. and conferences that I've been to with panel sessions I've enjoyed less than an actual really good speaker yeah. speaking on a topic you know that tends to be more memorable if you've got a good speaker that is yeah so if you've got a bad speaker maybe the panel sessions are good um but yeah there, there's a, a few panel sessions there's a panel session for each of the three topics and then they've got um political speakers on each um section as well and then some corporate speakers so i'd be really interested to know people who've been there to, to give us some feedback on that my initial thought was oh yeah i'm really interested in that I've got to say, I saw the price tag and that it was in central London. And I thought, oh, I'm not that interested. Yeah, it just, it. I suppose it depends what the aim of the conference is. Um, and if it's to, um, if it's to motivate and energise businesses, that's one thing. If it's to canvas opinion, that's another thing. Uh uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really clear on what it's trying. Yeah. The headline, you know, People Planet Progress. Well, okay, what are we actually talking about? What, what are, we're supposed to be thinking about sustainability. So what, what does that look like? Me watching a me watching a panel discussion about sustainability isn't actually doing anything about sustainability potentially. Mm. So it 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 just depends. However, that said, the website itself, despite the fact that I completely didn't see that, even though it was on the front page, and it may be because I was on a little bit of, um, I was all ready to go down a rabbit hole, because one of the reasons that we started looking at this website is because as a member of the Chamber of Commerce for Shropshire, um, they print and circulate to members um, economic survey results. And there was one that came out recently and we were sort of having a look at it and wondering whether to review it. Um, and so I, I thought, well, to be honest, you know, that's quite that's quite interesting stuff in itself. And then we were we were in the whole, OK, well, what else is what else is on the site? One of the big things that the Chambers of Commerce like to talk about the Chambers, the chambers of Commerce, and that's fine. But one thing that was quite nice is almost 50% of chambers have over 70% of women on their team. Just under 40% of chamber CEOs are female. So that's bucking the trend for business in the business world. So at least they are walking the talk and leading by example. Then they go on to talk about um, the policy reports, etc. And you can actually find um, the quarterly economic report which is under uh, uh, policy reports and publications and they start to talk about um the corona the coronavirus business impacts economic data people so looking at you know what's going to be happening with people so there are lots of things they've got a blog so if you want to drill down into certain areas there's there's some interesting stuff uh and the information is gathered from members of the chambers well not only members of the chambers of commerce because we're actively encouraged to share the questionnaire with other businesses but that's where they're really canvassing and trying to get a finger on the pulse of what's going on out in the business community Uh, and so they start to talk about some of the concerns that businesses have um, and um, you know what sort of what things they they want the government to do not least they believe that they need to have an emergency budget uh, because uh, 
well, for all the things that we talked about as part of the great resignation as much as anything else. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff on there. Um, it's, it's chambery. Yeah. So you're a member of the chamber in Shropshire. Shropshire, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think you get out of it the most? The For me, as a sole director, it's networking because I attend their breakfast, two of their breakfast networking groups, one in Shrewsbury, one in Oswald Street. Um, if I were a larger organisation, probably some of the policy and media stuff, they've got, um, they've got support around international trade. I don't fit into that, that camp. I also get certain benefits as part of my membership package, like um, if I have a tax investigation, then I've covered if I've got some free legal cover. So the various things. And the, the um, members that go, are they the leaders of the businesses in the area? It depends. Shropshire has a patrons scheme, and that patrons tend to be the larger organisations. Um, but that's not to say that you couldn't go into a room and there be a senior partner within a law firm or an accountancy firm, um, someone senior in manufacturing. But is it a group of MDs and CEOs? Not really. Um, but that's not to say if you were part of the patrons part, which is just a super duper membership, um, that you wouldn't then be moving with the the, the movers and the shakers. shakers. Yes, Ooh. yeah, and it may be. Although I don't know, to be honest, looking again at the conference agenda, would a chief exec or CEO attend that? I don't. I don't think it's pitched at the right level. Yeah, so for it that says on it, 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 it's aimed at uh, business leaders. Mm. So do they mean the actual pinnacle leader? Do they mean their senior leader, uh, management team? Uh, I was just reading on the blog. Um, so their most recent blog was from the 9th of May. And it's an interview with Sam Jones. So he's the GB Head of Climate and Sustainability at Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners. Okay. And uh, Sam is going to be speaking at the conference. Uh, and it was just a little interview to say um, why he's attending. So he, he was sort of talking about the fact that sustainability is all well and good, but they can't just do it on their own. They need all businesses you know, to yeah. to be working in the same sort of direction. Um, and he just wanted to share what they were doing at Coca-Cola. Um, also wanted to dispel the myth that sustainability and business success are two separate things. I mean, we see it now. It's got to be part of the same thing. Business success comes from sustainability. That's probably why the likes of Coca-Cola are paying a lot of attention yes. to it to see the benefits yeah. from it. But I've got to say, now looking at this on my laptop, I wish I'd done my research on the laptop and right. not my phone. Yeah. I didn't find my way around the website quite so well. Um, I, I saw the events, but it was mainly focused on the conference. Um, and then I saw some, some other um, bits and bobs. But I, I didn't really get a good sense of um, the full content of the website on my phone. So that's worth bearing in mind. Yeah. If you're going to go and explore it, maybe get a bigger screen. And the important... Or be better with your phone than I am. Well, well <laughs> yeah. I think some things just don't lend themselves. It's not, about the, um, it's not about the design of the website necessarily. The only other thing I would say is the website, it's not, it's not behind a paywall or anything. It's, um, it's accessible to all businesses. So that there are some interesting bits and pieces on there. Um, you can find out where your local your nearest chamber is um so yeah it's 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 an interesting resource you can go down rabbit holes um 
if you want to. Uh, we like a good rabbit hole, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that you know the, the sort of bloggy bit is is interesting. Um, they've got stuff about Ukraine. They've got stuff about coronavirus. And then, you know, the policy stuff also is is quite interesting. Around. Yeah, because they're looking to tr- drive change yes. in the UK, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, and, and I think having a, a lobby team as, as part of the organisation, you know, they're, they're, they're looking after, um, and they say it on their website, looking after the interests of their members in Westminster, Whitehall and Brussels. Yeah, so it's about driving information from the business community up. Probably less Brussels now after Brexit. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, so I think it's well worth exploring. And also the feedback I get from people in your area and sort of more North Wales, North West, is that they do find the events really useful. Yeah. They're really good networking events and a a good mix of people. So if you're going to consider networking, certainly have a look, maybe try them out and and see if it's for you. Yeah, and and for me personally, being a member of the Chamber of Commerce is not enough on its own. You bang the the table table again. Um, It's not enough on its own. You need to engage and you need to engage with that community. I was a member of um, North Wales and Chester Chamber for a time, but I found, well, COVID hit then. I found that I never actually really got the opportunity to go and meet with people. Um, and that's, and that's the value for you, yeah. For me, yeah. Because the stuff on the website, to be fair, it's very good, but you could find that from lots of other yes. sources as yeah. well, couldn't you? Yeah. The, so the real value for you was the connections. Yes, for sure, for sure. Okay. Any more rabbit holes you went down with? No, that? no, I'm done with that one. No, I'm done with that one. I've no, got rabbit good. holes aplenty in the next section. So you know we talked about um, Chester Racecourse Company a yes. few weeks ago, yeah. and um, we found that it had been registered in eighteen ninety two, was it something like that in the eighteen hundreds, and um, it got us thinking as to oh, how many other old companies are there, and lo and behold, Company's House have got a great blog, and we found out. Um, the names and some details of companies that have been registered um, and are still um, trading now, um, which is is really amazing. Um, All these surviving registered companies. So they started registering companies in 1844. The rabbit hole I went down was a bit of a history of Companies House, but shall we look at the three companies that they mentioned in the blog first? The first one being Ashford Cattle Market Company is the oldest surviving registered company in England and Wales, incorporated on the 25th of September, 1856. However, the company's house was established in 1844, but there was a bit of time before companies got their act together and submitted their paper. So... The first company, even though they weren't registered until 1856, company number one was the National Savings Bank Association. Oh, you went down the same rabbit hole as me, did you? <laughs> so, which I, just seeing that, it was like, oh, It's amazing, okay. yeah. They, they actually filed it first, but they didn't get incorporated until 1856. Yeah, yeah. So they were the first company through the door at uh, Chancery Lane in 1844, it says in, in the um, article that we're um, there was a bit of delay in processing. We're, we're quicker now. 
Well, that's debatable, isn't it? If it's anything like the passport office and the DVLA. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> try to I've always found company's house very efficient. That's true. Okay. So the Ashford Cattle Market Company um, was set up by farmers and graziers um, and they wanted some way to support their fast-growing market. I thought the money that they were talking about then was, was quite substantial, how your local farmer and graziers could afford this. They had 250 shares of £10 each, which is quite a large sum in 1856, it is, yeah. isn't it? Um, it is, yeah, massive. And it's still open. It opens seven days a week. It's got an annual turnover of £20 million and it is in the top 15 markets in Europe. I've never heard of it, but then again... I don't have cattle. <laughs> and presumably it's Ashford in Kent, is it? Yeah. Okay, so then we've got the oldest surviving registered company in Scotland. Did you see this one? I did, I did. The Cooper Corn Exchange. This one was incorporated a little later, 1860. And I didn't know there was a town called Cooper, but it's a market town. There's a theme here, markets. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, they're obviously not going to be IT companies, are they? No, well, it'd be <laughs> that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, and and it was a market to support the grinding and processing of wheat and barley and other grains. Um, they issued shares to local people. This is an interesting um, fact. So. Um, they actually issued shares to lots of local people so they could all own a stake in the company, um, but they've actually lost track of them. So there's 99 inactive shareholders still on the register, presumed deceased. <laughs> I would I would say so, unless yes. they're vampires. Yes. Um, are vampires dead anyway? I'm not sure. We don't need to go into yeah, that's a whole other that's yeah. a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but their last known dates uh, addresses date back to uh, the eighteen hundreds. So that would be quite a thing if we started talking about vampires. That's quite a rabbit hole. And unlike the Ashford cattle market, it's not trading as as what it was. So it's not a market anymore. The Cooper Corn Exchange Company is actually an investment trust company. It's a family business. And um, it's uh, still going strong. Um, in uh, 2007, they were presented with a commemorative certificate nice. for being the oldest existing Scottish registered company. Just before we go on to the third one, the thing that I read was that they, they'd contacted all of the companies that were registered, um, the oldest companies, um, and invited them to write back with their stories. And um, so, that's it, 10 of the oldest live companies. Only three of the 10 wrote back to them. I want to know why the other seven didn't, and I want them to publish the names so we know that they're miserable. Well, unless, you know, they are all deceased, and in the same way that those 99 people couldn't be tracked down, maybe they were small organisations. But where... no, these are still surviving companies. Oh, because they're active ones? Yes, 10 oh, so somebody of the oldest the active. Order. It says live, the definition being yeah. live. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, so why would seven of them not reply? Anyway, the third of the responders is the Rye Cattle Market Company. It's sort of grain and cattle there. <laughs> I think we're talking about Rye, the location, as opposed to Rye, the grain. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. 
I thought you were going to talk. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'd stopped what I was saying. I realised okay. I was talking gibberish. No, no. So, so Rye Cattle Market um, incorporated in 1859. Um, so it was running a market for the purchase and sale of livestock. So this, you know, your traditional town market. Um, but once they were incorporated, they were able to raise enough funds to build a market hall. And then over, over the years... Um, developed that plot and bought more land so that the premises um, are significantly larger. However, there is no longer a livestock market. Rye has one of the largest weekly general store markets in southeast England um, and recently held their 155th annual general meeting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what rabbit holes did you go down? Well, I went down the whole... The, com- the, the company's house was set up in Chancery Lane. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so we got that. We That's... tumbled down the same rabbit hole then. Okay. So then did you get to the fact that during the war... Yeah. It was, it was housed in the Grand Hotel Clandidno. I sent the picture to the family because they like old photos. They love Clandidno. And uh, they're, they're always fascinated with the Grand Hotel. So the fact that it was actually used um, by Company's House during the war um, was absolutely fascinating. Well, to be fair, they didn't think it was as fascinating as oh, I did. I, well, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I, yeah, I was quite impressed with that. I didn't really understand the significance of why it was Clandidno, but you know, I'm sure there are places nearer There's, to Chancery Lane. But... No, there were a lot of um, government offices that moved up to North Wales. Okay. During the war, okay. yeah. So a, a lot of the provisions did move up there into some of the hotels and um, guest houses. Wow. Okay. That's a okay. good place to be relocated to, isn't it? I suppose it. Yes. I suppose in in a war. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I saw that um, the information about how many companies are registered. Um, so, uh, in eighteen eighty five, there were eight hundred and five companies. In twenty eighteen, there were there were over 4 million, and I'm pretty sure that that will have increased quite significantly um, in, in very recent times. Yes, yeah, so we, we talked about the number of um, companies that were registered during um, during the pandemic. A lot, a lot of people starting up their businesses, yeah. they will have all had to register them through Companies House, if they are indeed ones that you have to register yeah. through yeah. Companies yeah, House. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sole traders do not have to register on Companies House, so... I also then started looking at um, the most common names, the most popular words in live company names. Okay, go on. I didn't go down that okay. rabbit hole. So between 1983 and 2020, um, so let me just make this a little bit bigger to make it easier for my cronky eyes to see. So my company is called Salt Solutions. So the word solutions had a bit of a steep increase from... Uh, 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 from, hang on, I've made it bigger and now I can't read it all. <laughs> you made That's it not too great. big. So in so in nineteen ninety five, there was a massive spike in the number of companies that used the name Solutions. Um, I set up my business in two thousand nine, and that's the point at which Solutions peaked as a word. Title, um, so I was obviously bang on trend in two thousand and nine. Okay, and what about salt? Is salt in there? As no, a salt doesn't word? feature, but services does. 
um, property, UK group management, consulting, holdings, properties, consultancy, and actually consultancy. So, um, fairly oh, consultancy took a took a lift from nineteen eighty three. Up until 2007. So I'm imagining at the beginning it was all about cattle and markets and grain, and then now it's all about services. Yeah, although there's there's investments, we've got construction, the word company, bizarrely, being right, added. Okay. Um, yeah, but these are only from 1983 to 2020. Uh, I bet cattle was a fairly... What, what, what do cattle and grain and market yeah, yeah. absolutely um, and there was another one that I was looking at but I can't find it now um, which was talking about something to do with titles you've got the slowest scroll on any computer I've ever seen I, I know well it's because I could do that look but I was trying Ooh, not that's, to yeah. see that speedy that is yeah, it's like a microfiche it's like spinning. a microfiche yeah. but anyway um Talking of microfiche, um, companies' house don't use them anymore. It's all digitalised. It used to be paper and microfiche, didn't it? Oh, wow, yeah, microfiche. Do you remember the microfiche? Gosh, do you remember you used to go to the library and you could view records on microfiche, like historical records? You'd have to find reference to them on index cards first. Yeah, <laughs> gosh. Wow. They're, they're probably in some museum now, aren't they? They clearly are. They're not in use. No. No. So, yes, Companies House, old companies. So, yeah, the website is more than... So, again, there's a blog. Um, they have guest bloggers, um, stories from the Companies House register, so that trends in the expansion of the beauty industry in the UK, um, the most popular words in live company names, which said standard industrial classification codes. Uh, yeah. All sorts, all sorts. Which, uh, how bookstores are making a comeback in the UK. Some really interesting articles. The the pub is the original social network. The, and these are just ones that have been written this year. So oh, uh, Excellent stuff. Yeah, and on the back of uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, um, I should mention that there was a, a little article back in April on the Company's House website about uh, mental health for small businesses. So it looks like they do a real nice wide yeah. range of stories on there as yeah. well. It's not just a boring list of companies. Yeah, it appeals to geeks like us. <laughs> 